I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. My name is Elon Jacobson, and deal-making is in my DNA. I'll be here each week talking with entrepreneurs and deal-makers about the crazy obstacles they've faced along their paths, and whether it's nature or nurture driving their success. Expect the unexpected on a deal-maker's DNA. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of A Dealmaker's DNA. I'm very excited to have someone uh, who we've, we've obviously seen a lot of on uh, on TV over the last couple of years, given his connection to the, the Toronto Raptors. So, Nav, uh, thank you so much for participating. Really uh, looking forward to, uh, to learning uh, a little more about your story. My pleasure. Glad to be on the podcast with you. Yeah, thank you. So, so, so Nav, you know, I, I'm sure everyone jumps into Raptors, and I'm not going to do that. Okay. You know, for me, you know, I'd love to start by diving a little bit deeper into kind of the the origination story of Nav. You know, we we just spoke for a second off air about you know being an immigrant. I am too. Would love to hear a little more about your early life. Uh, and try and draw some conclusions around how you landed up here from what's probably humble beginnings. So if you can walk me through how you landed in Canada and what that that start looked like, I would, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about it. Well, you, you just said you are the immigrant, I'm the immigrant, but there's a difference between me and you. You have an immigrant who has made it good and well. I'm still an immigrant who's trying to make a living in the big city. Oh, yeah, 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 sure, sure. Okay, so don't be fooled by the perception, you know. And uh, anyway, yeah, I came here in 84, just I was letting you know, I was, I came here in 84 during the tough time of uh, genocide in India with the Sikhs. And I came here, landed here, and, you know, moved into a basement, $350 a month in Malton and the happiest guy on this planet because I was in a safe country. But guy, finding in a job in this country at that time, even with my mechanical engineering degree was a difficult time. Nobody wanted to hire this good looking guy with turban and beard in the mechanical engineering. So I did odd jobs like cleaning up, janitorial landscaping and whatever to make my ends meet. And finally, you know, I started up working as a car salesman in a dealership in Rexdale called Rexdale Hyundai. By the way, I own that dealership now. I bought it 25 years later. I bought that. But uh, I started as a car salesman there. And actually, my story started the very first day when I ended up going to my work, all excited as a young new immigrant trying to, you know, conquer the world and trying to, uh, you know, be a impact in this new country, both for myself and the community. And then I was really sort of taken back when the very first day I walked into the door and all the salesmen, all of them white people, nine to 10 salespeople calling me the names, Paki, Towelhead, Underwearhead and all those kind of things. And that's the day it inspired me to say, hey, now, if you want to survive in this environment, you got to be better than good. And that's where my story started with God's grace and my hard work. I sold 127 cars in my first three months. And that was a record then and still is a record. And then I became a manager, a business manager, a general manager. And, you know, ended up, you know, rest is history. Now I own five dealerships, car dealerships, and I have 240 employees. So it's all, it's all good. This country has given me this opportunity. And that's why I say this is the best country on this earth. You know, 
where somebody like me can come who doesn't look like the mainstream, but get an opportunity by mere hard work, honest work to be where we are today. I, that's why I say, if there is a heaven on this earth, it's right here in Canada. I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful for this country. And just going back, when you moved to, to Canada, did your parents come with you? What did your parents think of it? Talk to me about like, where do you get this kind of charisma and passion from? Like, it, did, did, did you get that from your, your mother or your father? Like, are they similar, similar characters? You said it, my mom. You know, my mom had already, my mom was very strong. She was uh, in 1947, when partition between India and Pakistan was there, my mom was expecting a baby at that time, not me, my older brother. And she suffered during that time. So she was very tough. She left. She lived in a refugee camp for a long time. And then basically she was tough girl. She was a, she used to be called a tigress. You know, she was a tiger. So tigress, you know, and she basically, uh, uh, my dad was working. He was a businessman. We were well off and he was out most of the time. And my, my mom raised up all the four boys. You know, we are four brothers and she raised up and she, she was the most hardworking woman I've seen in my life, you know, and most daring and most risk-taking. So that was the woman, and that's where I get it from. And when in 84, the genocide was happening and the Sikhs were being targeted in India, you know, and they were being massacred, you know, there was no safe heaven for us in our homes or in temples. That's the time we decided to get out of India. I was I came with my wife first here in 1984, and then rest of the, my family arrived here after five six years. When I was settled, I sort of sponsored them and brought them here. So that's how my start is. That's how I started. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and 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 you know, for for me, when when people talk about you, they obviously talk about the Raptors, and and then they they look at that fan that fandom. For me, what I see right away and what I want to really delve into is this idea of passion, because, you know, I'm a huge believer that nothing can be accomplished without passion. And Amen. You know, those are the, that's right. I don't do anything in my life without passion. I don't do it or I don't do it. But if I do it, I have to have the passion 100% behind it. And that's what I did when I worked. I don't just work that I'm getting only $10 an hour or $2. I'm working there because I love what I do. And I'm a proud. When I was doing the janitorial job, I was a proud janitor. When I was doing the landscaping, I was the best in landscaping. When I was doing painting, I was the best painter. So I do everything. When I was selling cars, I sold it, you know, with passion. I treat oh. people like the, like the people want to be treated themselves, like I want to be treated myself. And that's the common, that's the thing I have. A lot of time people ask me now, you're successful. And, uh, you know, what is your key? Hey, there is no rocket science. There's only one thing. I work hard. I work honestly. And I treat people like I wanted to be treated myself. Doesn't matter where I am. That's the way I've been taught. And that's what my religion, Sikhism, teaches us. Why do you think so many people have a hard time finding the passion in their lives because i really do feel as though there's a lot of intelligent people out there and for whatever reason you know you and i are lucky enough to understand that that passion is the fuel that that allows our fire to burn but a, a lot of people that i speak to just really have a difficult time um, either finding what they're passionate about or just being passionate period you know why do you think that is I think because their thoughts are very fluid. They've not built up a particular attention what they really want to do, you know. 
And I feel that when you do anything which you do, you know, if you're doing a podcast, if you do it with a passion, it shows off that you're doing. You're not just doing for the hell of to do the part. If I'm, when I used to sell cars, I mean, I used to really be involved with the customer. That's how I do. And when I go to the Raptors game, I'm the part of the game. I'm, I feel like I'm playing the game, you know. Without playing the game, I'm playing the game. That's why I'm passionate about it. I pick on the players when they do on the free throws. I pick on them all in good ways, though. I don't call them names. I don't. A lot of times people think I'm drunk. But no, uh-huh. I'm just passionate about it, you know, to pick on them in the proper way, which NBA allows me to do that. Yeah. You've mentored numerous people in your life, as evidenced by the fact that you have, you know, 200 plus employees. And, and what's unique is that, you know, you're, you're in a very sales-oriented industry being in the car business. What are the things that you've picked up on that make some people incredibly successful in sales and some people not? Because, you know, to, to your point earlier, I mean, you, started, you start selling cars where you have a turban, you don't look like everyone else, you have an accent, yet you <laughs> sell 127 in your first three months there's some sort of secret sauce going on. So I'd love to hear some of those patterns of behavior that you think lead to someone being excellent in specifically sales versus other people that just fail. You know, I think this might sound strange. You might not, or a lot of people who are watching this right now might not believe it, but I've never ran after money. I always feel if you do the right thing, money comes. It's a secondary thing. You first got to find yourself, what is your passion? A lot of people these days, your previous question also, why the people, they're not able to find themselves. They don't spend enough time with themselves. They are looking here, they're looking there, they're getting confused, they want to be this. They're never looking in. They're never looking in. Yeah. And they're never contented with themselves. You know, be content. Containment is a very big asset. Don't spoil your life by looking at somebody else. If somebody else, your neighbor is driving something else, don't get, yes, get inspired by it, but don't get spoiled by it. Don't get in. So you know what? I've always found myself within myself. And I love people. One thing I love is people. Doesn't matter who they are. I I mean, I can give you examples. Initial, in, in the initial days, I had customer come in 1984, white guys buying the car for their self, for their daughter, didn't want you to talk to me. They went to the manager and said, we want a regular salesman, as if I was not a regular salesman. So, you know, I didn't let that hurt myself. I didn't let that bother me. I had a thick skin. And one thing in my life, I never argue. Whatever the people say, I don't argue. I don't use the word discrimination or this. I always work in a positive way, how to change the perception of that person. So this guy who comes to buy the car from me in 1984, white guy, wanted a car for his daughter, you know, didn't want it to deal with me, but it was my turn. I was in the car business, it's your turn. You take your turns to take the customers. So I didn't go to the manager and said, hey, it's illegal, it's my turn. I said, let somebody else sell it. But I ask you, I don't want any money, but I want one thing. I want to deliver the car to this guy. And I will do it. I don't want any money. So the day of the delivery, this will tell you a lot of things. On the day of the delivery, I made sure I had the balloons and the, uh, you know, nicely decorated, uh, uh, the car. And I had a coffee and biscuits for this guy. And when he came, I told him the other salesman was not there, but I knew he was going to pick up the car because for it was a present for his daughter's birthday. 
and uh, I, I presented him the card and everything. You know, in 30 minutes, his perception changed. He started selling me the customers. And you know what? His perception was different. He didn't know because he wasn't people. When they look at a different thing, I don't know. They, they don't know how to react sometimes. And they react negatively. Same thing. I don't know if you know, in 2019, during the uh, Raptors championship uh, run, a guy in Milwaukee called me out very bad. He told me that a guy who's wearing, a, uh, as a fat guy, who's wearing a diaper on his head or underwear on his head. Now, he was right. I was fat, but I was not wearing a diaper. You know, <laughs> so he was 50% right. But you know what? Everybody, the world went after him. Mark Cuban. Uh, Stephen Kerr, all the, uh, 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 you know, the ownership group of all the teams went after him. I said, no, we don't need to go after him. If, then what is the difference between him and me? What's the difference? So once he asked me, he came, he realized he did it wrong. He asked me that, hey, I'm sorry. I said, I'm only going to accept your, uh, uh, I'm going to only forgive you when you have a bite to eat with me. And I took him to the game on November 2nd in Milwaukee. Him and his son, their first game in Milwaukee. He lived three hours away from Milwaukee. And I took him. And you know what? His perception changed. He saw me, a lot of people coming in the restaurant, hugging me. Yeah, there was a medical school, so there were a lot of young people going to becoming doctors. And they were coming wearing their Milwaukee 34 shirt, but taking a picture with me, hugging me and all that. And he saw that. But you know what? Then I, I asked his son. I said, hey, who's your favorite player in Milwaukee Bucks? He said, my uh, Lopez. So you know what? Brooke Lopez. I said, okay. So I sat him in the arena, took him for the game, had a, gave him the popcorn and sat him somewhere else so that he's not killed by the media was watching. So, you know, after the game, I took him to the locker room. I had a picture of him with the Brooke, Robin Lopez, both of the brothers and all the other uh, Milwaukee Bucks and the Raptors. And his perception changed. He cried when we, we said bye to bye. Now we are friends. His, he has told to all his group circle about the seat. So this is how we change. I don't, you know, this is very important because I'm passionate about the people. I believe every person is a good person. They are just, if they can be taught negativism, I think we can teach love to them. We can teach positiveness to them. It's so obvious that how you handle the, that situation as an example is the right way to do it. But how do you prevent yourself naturally from getting angry at that discrimination? Because, you know, I think that a lot of people have a hard time being able to separate that. And they're, you know, if someone's calling me X, Y, Z, screw mm -hmm. them, right? It's very mm -hmm. easy to go that path. Like, how do you prevent yourself from, from having those negative emotions? I think my religion helps me on that. My bringing up helps me on that. I might, I, I don't show it. Maybe I keep it inside. I'm able to take a deep breath and take it. And I always feel, and it has worked in my life. You know, at least I can say it has worked in my life. I find a positive way to handle the situation, how to make a negative situation into positive. Now, it's not that I've never failed. I must have failed also, you know, at times when I was young and all that, but I think I learned from that and I've come, uh, you know, uh, I, I've come a long way on that. And now I'm very conditioned myself, my mental condition, I've conditioned it that, hey, you know, you, got to, you have a better way. The other way is a better way other than fighting and all that. And you know what? Uh, if I would have done the other way, argued with the people, you think I would be here 
in front of you on a podcast today you think i would be the grand marshal of the parade you think i would be the super fan you think i would have gotten the championship ring you think i would be sort of uh, entered into the hall of fame basketball hall of fame the first non player to be entered into the hall of fame the first player to lead the grand uh, be the grand marshal of the parade the first non player to get the championship ring which lori got and with ebaka got and everybody else got so you know that's where the difference is i am uh, I, i i i i i try to make negative things into positive so so you you spoke a lot about uh, earlier about about being sikh obviously and you you mentioned your religion how important is it to you uh, to be a representative of the sikh community um, and how much do you think about that uh in your your day-to-day life that you are this you know incredible representation uh of uh of of the Sikh community is that that, that do you do you think about that quite often yes i do actually you know i feel when you are a Sikh you can be seen from far away so i'm a human ambassador being a Sikh if i do something wrong people will know that Sikhs are no good they will they will blank it as and say hey they are not doing right let's say if somebody uh, is older guy is uh, crossing the road and struggling and if i don't get out and help people will say hey there but if i help them as a sikh people know the sikh person up so it's very important and that's one of the reasons that we we are who we are so that if we do good or bad we can be seen from far away and we can be you know so it's very important for me to make a good uh, perception about the sikhs Uh, now i'm not going to say that some of our fa- uh, sikh people don't do the wrong things they do but i hope that they don't because we get recognized right away and the whole uh, sort of culture of sikhism get painted with black so you know i i have to imagine and you correct me if i'm wrong but you know when you first started going to these raptors games i can't imagine you had this vision of oh uh, i'm i'm doing this because i'm going to become a super fan and all the stuff's going to happen right you you did it cuz you love going in hindsight my question to you is how important to your business life has building a personal brand so my 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 question really revolves around this idea of personal brand how important is personal branding and and how would you recommend i mean in in the digital age of social media everyone wants to be an influencer everyone wants to be this that and you i mean i have to imagine yours was really by accident it just kind of happened but now you have the hindsight and so maybe talk to me about that personal brand and and how you view it now you know that's a really good question you have asked me a lot of time people ask me hey, you knew you were going to be super fan no i bought two tickets in 95 because i was a boring guy i only did three things work work and work i was there from 8 in the morning till 11 at night work 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 and i thought you know you know let me find something and i used to see basketball on television and i was in, i was you know excited to see michael jordan larry bird uh, dr j all that i was excited to see that so when the raptors landed here i bought two tickets i could only afford two tickets at the time and uh, you know i bought two tickets and uh, they were not court side at the time but they were pretty close and so what happened is that now i have 13 tickets i have six court side but I, at that time i could only afford two so you know what i didn't know at the time then one day out of the blue yes i used to be young 
uh, and uh, I used to make a lot of noise. And you know, one day, Isaiah Thomas, our vice president and the general manager of the team at the time, told me, "Now I wanted to stay in the halftime in the arena uh, and not go far away." And he just pulled me into the center court at Sky Dome and gave me this jersey, saying "Super Fan One," and made me the Super Fan. And here I was the face of the Raptors, you know. So this is uh, how it started. But I never knew in '95 that even if I'm going to continue watching basketball. But on the very first day when I went to watch the basketball, I fell in love. I fell in love with the game, the way the NBA organizes the game, the entertainment, the timeouts, and everything, and the fans. So I think it's the best game in the planet. I and you know I fell in love, and you know here I am, 25 years later. I've never missed a minute of a home. And, and, and how has that building of that personal brand impacted your business? Because I have to imagine they go hand in hand. You know, I'm well, sure people know, come to your dealership because they love to see you or, you know, know about it because of your kind of fame. You know, one thing I want to tell you, I never use my going to the game. I never give my business cards. You know, I don't carry business cards at the game. But people know now that I own Hyundai dealerships. Yes, I I use the word that I'm a Hyundai dealer, I'm the super fan. People know that they can connect one and two, they can add one plus one to is equal to two. But you know what? It has helped me a lot. People come sometimes from far away. People will come from Derry. People will come from Kingston. And they say, we want to buy a car from you, but we want to take a picture with you. We want to see you. We want to meet you or my kids want to meet you. But you know what? They don't have to buy a car just to meet me. They come sometimes just to come and they ended up. I'm going to give you an example now. During the COVID, in March last year, a guy who is out most of the time, most of the evening with the games or watching the games on the road and whatever, got stuck with my wife, my 30 years, uh, my marriage of 30 years, uh, wife of 30 years. I got stuck with her. I said, I can laugh. Shoot, I cannot laugh this way in the COVID. So I bought a food truck and I ended up distributing 15,000 hot meals to the frontline workers. So I went to Stowell, I went to Markham, I went to Hamilton, I went, uh, you know, Woodstock, everywhere I went to distribute the, and now all those guys come and they say, super friend, we want to buy a car from you. So yes, it has helped me, but it's not, I don't do it because of that, but it has helped me. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I just, when I go to Tim Horton, people come, they will talk to me basketball when my team is going good, you know, they are, it's their team. When it's, when my team is struggling, they lose. When we started two and eight this season, everybody was telling me when I used to go to Tim, I go to Tim Horton twice a day. So people will tell me, hey, your team is struggling. They are no good and all that. <laughs> Suddenly it's your team. Man. No, it's just yeah, it's your team. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I talk to the people. I love young people and all that. You know, I, I love talking to the young people. I talk to, I, I go to schools and I motivate them. Anywhere, you know, I, I, I'm just a, I got, I want to, this country has given me everything and it's my time to give it back. And I'm trying to bring everybody together through the game of basketball. So you mentioned, Lily, my next question was about giving back. Why is giving back so important? Hey, it's very important for you, not for you to show up the world, for your internal, for your mental. It's very important. This country, I came with nothing. This country gave me everything. It gave me all the good things in life. Plus, it's the safest country in the world. Yes, we are not perfect, but we are in the best country in the world. And you know what? It's very important when you see, you know, you think the Raptors won 
the championship because of an individual player? No, they won because of the championship. They have won the last four games without glory. How did they win? Because there is a teamwork. Teamwork is very important. And in personal life also, the teamwork is very important to me. We got to pick up the guys who are falling down. It might be COVID. It might not be COVID. You got to pick it up and put them and give them a hope and tell them that we are there for them. And right now, I'm doing, you know, we are doing good. Yes, COVID has put some dents on, on us, but we're going to come out of it. Then COVID is going to bring us all together in a better way, in a bigger way. So I think it's very important. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you know that I am, my, I, I used to do about 100,000 plus charity every year with the kids. But then I said, no, I should do more. So four years ago, World Vision, a very good Christian organization, came to me and said, look, we are trying to do a project in India in a very poor neighborhood where the girls drop out of the school at the age of 11. They drop and, out. And this is where they need because, bathrooms, right? This is the bathroom. bathroom. So I yeah. said, so I decided, I said, no, I'm going to build all the, not just 50 washrooms, I'm going to build 135 washrooms in the whole area, in the whole, that particular uh, county and make sure that no girls go, has a, no girl says that she can go to school because of the washroom. So we just completed that project last year. We spent over $300,000 in that. And then we building a basketball court in Malton we, uh, so that the kids can play basketball in the challenging area. Yeah. So we are doing that. And then again, we are going to work with World Vision. And everybody said, hey, you are a chief. Why are you working with a Christian organization? To me, it doesn't matter. Especially to a Sikh, it doesn't matter. Because our morning prayer, first thing in the morning when we pray, our first morning prayer is, Nanak Nam Karji Kala Tere Pane Swarth That means well-being for everybody, irrespective of color, religion, or anything. That's our morning prayer. We pray for everybody. But we have to lead a private life also showing that. And that's what I did with World Vision. A lot of people said, no, you are a Sikh. You know, you should be working with the Hindus or Sikhs and not, I said, it doesn't matter if the if Christian organization is reaching out to the kids of, you know, and giving hope to the kids, I'm going to work with them. So I'm a very proud uh, member with World Vision and we are going to now announce in the next couple of months a $550,000 project for another area to build uh, school, washrooms, to build washrooms, plus NBA is going to help me to build the basketball courts in that area. Amazing. So you know, things are, so good things are happening, and it's being done through Nab Bhatia Super Fan Foundation. Great. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit here now. If you, you had mentioned your thirty-year marriage to your wife. Thirty-eight. I've been suffering for thirty-eight. <laughs> so for for me, one of the things I'm a huge believer of. I've been with my wife since high school. And, you know, I'm a risk taker, I'm a business builder, I'm an entrepreneur, and I tell everyone that you can't have so much uncertainty in all parts of your life. And one of the things that has really allowed me to take risk and allowed me to, you know, be myself is the foundation that I have and the support that I have with my partner. So my question to you is, is, is how important is selecting the right partner and how important is it to put, you know, effort in maintaining that relationship? Well, you had the freedom of the selecting your own partner. Mine was an arranged marriage. I was given 15 minutes to decide. I met the girl and the girl met me. So she took a risk or I took a risk, but God made it work, you know, and we are 
she is such a big uh, foundation of mine. She and my daughter, my daughter Tia Bhatia, she's a YouTuber and an influencer and actor. So she, they are so sort of my, they are my foundation for whatever I'm doing. You know, I, I miss a lot of my wife's birthdays and uh, other functions, the wedding anniversaries, because it happens during the basketball season. But she understands that now the basketball is helping us to do good things in life. And she understands. But you know what? It's so important for you and the fun and your wife or your partner to be on the same page. It's so important. Yeah. That you can move, uh, you know, you cannot have a car. The front two wheels, one with a different wheel and one with a second different size. You cannot have it. You have to be the same so that you can move smoothly. And that's the case in my life. I'm blessed. I am thankful to the Almighty to bless me with the best wife in the world. Yeah. So I'm not going to keep you for very much longer. Uh, I, oh, I it's okay. You take your time. You can yeah. talk to me. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I have a couple more questions for you. I mean, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs that, that listen to this uh, podcast and, you know, they're all trying to garner some lessons, some, some patterns of behavior that they can use to become successful like you and some of the other guests that I have. If you could just be in a room with all these entrepreneurs and say, hey, you're starting your career. You know, these are the things that you just need to focus on and you will be successful. We spoke about passion. You know, we spoke about kind of that self-awareness. What are some of the other things that you think that people just need to get right in their lives to you know, drive success for themselves? Well, I think their priorities, everybody might be the right person and all that, but I think sometimes their priorities are not right because they give these days, I feel the young people want to be wealthy very quickly. Yeah, no patience. No patience. No patience. Yeah. You know, they want to have, they want to be having the best Apple phone, whatever it is. They want to have the best gears. They want to have the best headphones. They want to have the best shoes. They want to have the best cars and all that. It's all good, but don't have to rush in your life. Don't make those priorities. I tell you, if you follow your passion, you are hardworking, you are honest, and you are good to the people around you, it happens. Money comes. You know, the, the, the honesty thing is so interesting because I preach that. I, I truly believe that being a good human being is the number one most important thing. But unfortunately, I think some young entrepreneurs hear about stories of people that made money the unethical way. And it's like this easy path and it has this allure to it. What would you tell those people about how important honesty is? Honesty is the number one. Honesty is number one. Don't, you know, hard work is the second one. Your passion is on the top of it. Make sure those are the main ingredients. Like I said, make sure your priorities are right. Yes, we all need money. But if you do all those things, passion, hard work, honesty, money will come. Look, if it can come to this guy, it can come to anybody. If it can come to a guy with a lot of strikes, it can come to anybody. We are blessed in a very good country. And the kids these days are very educated. They are very smart. I think they're smarter than when I was of their age. I talk to a lot of kids. I love being with the kids, you know, because I think they are our future. They are the bright future of this beautiful country, Canada. So I do. And I just tell them, be hardworking, be honest, and be truthful and be passionate about what you want to do. Don't just a lot of people have money, making money and the quick money the way. That's not, it doesn't work. Maybe it works for somebody, but I don't think it lasts. Yeah. 
So, so what's what's important to you now? I mean, you've you've generated enough wealth that you're comfortable. You you have your passions that that that, that matter to you, uh, like World Vision, like the Raptors, like your business. What's the next step of your life look like? What are the things that you really want to focus on? I don't know. Why would you say that I have the wealth? I don't think I'm a well. I'm a, I'm a wealthy in a lot of other things. I'm blessed. Because I'm wealthy because I get a lot of love from everybody on the street. Doesn't matter if I'm in America, Canada, India, wherever, I get a lot of love, you know. I, but uh, uh, that's the main wealth I have. But yes, I'm comfortable. God has given me that. And like I said again and again, I'm blessed. I don't take that for granted, but I'm blessed. And, uh, but I work hard and I work honest and I was passionate about it. And I am very hardworking and honest. I want the people, people see me with Drake, people see me with Obama, people see me with Kobe Bryant, people see me with Kevin Garnett and all that. And they think, oh, what a life. Hey guys, my life was not like that. I did work hard. I did the janitorial when I did my janitorial thing. I was proud janitor. I was the best janitor. When I was doing the landscaping, I was the best, best landscaper. When I was doing the painting, I had the best, I was one of the best painters. I mean, but so be passionate for what you do and do it honestly, do it hardworking. And I tell you, it works out in the end, you will be successful. And uh, I think uh, uh, don't judge how quickly you get the money. Don't judge by that, that you're more successful if you get the money quickly. And never use the wrong means to get the money. Never use wrong things to, you know, I tell a lot of time, I tell my, employees who are mechanics i said if a guy doesn't need a brake work you know don't sell them the brake work if the brakes are good for if it's 40 if the brakes will be good for another fifteen thousand kilometers tell them that they will be good for 15 don't change it if they're good for only two thousand tell them hey they're going to be good for only two and the time is to change the brakes and if they don't want to change it it's fine just have them sign it so that you are safe in the end that the brakes were failed and you told them that you should change the brakes. So anything you do, if you do that, I tell you, people appreciate that. People love that. That's why people are coming today from Woodstock, from Kitchener, from Waterloo, from Kingston, from Barrie to buy cars because they know they will be treated right. Honesty. So, I mean, wrapping this episode up, I mean, what I hear is, you know, be honest, work hard, be passionate, give back. I mean, it's simple lessons, but for whatever reason. And treat people the way you want to be treated yourself. That's the key. No rocket science. So Nav, I, I'd be remiss. I mean, you know, I haven't asked you a Raptors question on purpose because I know that's probably what you get most of all. And hopefully you appreciated the questions that, that, that we spoke about today. But I got to ask you one question about the Raptors, and that is, you know, what's your view on the team? I mean, what, how are you viewing the caliber of the team what do you think the future, you know, over the next five years looks like for this team? Look, usually I will say the team is in a very different scenario. They're not playing at home. They're a disadvantage. This team, Raptors team, has the best fans in the world. I agree with that. Okay, and they are missing that. I'm telling you, two, eight, they lost eight or nine games, less than three, four points. If those games were played at home, they would have never lost, never lost. I'll make sure, I'll put my record on the line, I'll put my uh, whatever I have on line that we would have never lost those games. If I was sitting along with my other 20,000 fans, we would have not lost the game because they get, they get, we are feeding, the fans are feeding our team all the time and they know that. Look at Philadelphia game. 
you know, the six, uh, the Philadelphia series, the Milwaukee, Milwaukee series. We lost the first two games in Milwaukee series. We won the next four. We won the next two in Toronto back to back. We surprised the world. Doesn't Brooklyn scare you? Do we have enough firepower to, to compete with Brooklyn and, and, and the Bucks and, you know, there's a few, you know, Celtics and there's the Sixers. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a deep, deep, deep Eastern Conference. You just said, the, yes, it is. That's what NBA is. Oh, a probably the deepest game. it's been in decades. You know, Brooklyn is an amazing team. It's run by a very good friend of mine, Sean Moore, who was a Toronto Raptors. It's been coached by my very good buddy, Max. So, and there is a good player, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyle Irving, Jordan, the center. And I'm missing one more. Uh, uh, Harden. 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 Harden, the big guy. So, you know, they're an amazing team. I'm not going to say it, but so is Philadelphia. So is Mi- Miami shouldn't be where Miami is right now. It shouldn't be where it is. You know, Toronto Raptors, I don't think have a single superstar like that. We don't. But we just beat Philadelphia. We just beat Brooklyn. And we just beat Milwaukee. What does that tell you? The team. In this game, it's a team game. It's not a, you know, yes, it is. they are more favorite to win, but I think anything can happen. And if we are in the playoffs, which we are going to be in the playoffs, anything can happen. But yes, we are at disadvantage because they are not playing at home. If at home, if at home, our record would have been, we would have been one and two, maybe two and three. We will be on the top three right now. We are in the number five, number six right now, or number five right now. We're number six right now. I do have one more question about that. And you mentioned the Raptors fans being the best best in the league, and I totally agree. Why? What is it about Toronto fans that we have this incredible passion? I, I, I've tried to think about it because I, I know it's true. I mean, you know, when the Blue Jays are, are playing well, the, the fans are unbelievable. I mean, the Leafs' support is incredible. There's something about Toronto that, that – there's this passion. I mean, you would think like in a city like New York, which is a bigger city, that they would they would have better fans or whatever it might be. But it's true. Toronto has the best fans. Why is that? Well, you know why? In 2019, in the championship run in against Golden State, the last game which we won, the sixth game in Oakland at Oracle Arena, we had 3,000 Canadians. We had 3,000 Raptors fans because Toronto is not just a a Toronto team, it's a Canadian team. It's people in any day, you have about thousands of uh, people who are coming from uh, Newfoundland or PI or Montreal. So it's the whole country, basically. Whole country. And I think everybody is realizing that basketball is the most entertaining game on this planet. Once you go with the, with the basketball, you can't go anywhere else. I mean, that's what it is, you know. I mean, I am, I fell in love with that. I mean, my wife teases me all the time that the Raptors is your first wife and she's right about it, you know, because uh, I cannot live without the Raptors. So I think that's the same thing, especially the South Asian community. The Raptors are becoming very popular because they see me in there. And, you know, if you see the games on the 9, 2019, people standing inside and people outside, there were a lot of South Asians. This game is taking over the new generation very quickly and the new immigrants, it's very quickly because it doesn't need $1,500 to play basketball. All you need is a $30 basketball, $20 basketball and a hoop and you play basketball. 
So anybody can play basketball. So I think it's becoming, it's popular. And I tell you one thing, in the time to come, if there is a, a Tokyo Olympics and Canada is there, we are going to get a medal there. And you see this Canada taking a little more, there will be more fire about basketball. So, you know, I mean, so that's why I think that Toronto, and the way that Toronto Raptors do, the organization is amazing, man. The organization, look at you think if they would have won a Leafs championship, they would have two and a half million people lined up in the street and eight million people watching on the television and digital? Tell me that. Answer me. It was incredible. I, I was there. So I, it was it was amazing. Nobody can. Nobody in the world can have. That was the biggest parade. That's what Toronto Raptors are about. Well, Nav, once again, thank you so much. You know, I, I find your, your passion and your authenticity really intoxicating. So I, I really appreciated uh, you being on the, on the podcast. And, and thank you very much for joining me. For those that, that, that want to follow along in your journey, I mean, you're not hard to find. But are there, yeah. are there a few places that you'd recommend them follow you? Do you have an Instagram, anything that you want to plug? I'm a Nav Bathia super fan. And I have an Ambadia Superfan Foundation if they want to know what I'm involved in the activities. And you know what? If you are in Mississauga, <laughs> the drop-in at my dealership, Mississauga Hyundai, and uh, let me know you're coming. I'll make it a point that I come there. If you're coming from far away, I want to make sure I'm there to hug you if there's no COVID, of course. But, uh, you know, because I'm a hugger. And, uh, you know, when I was distributing the food during the COVID, I got a, you know, all the nurses and everything. I must have met about eight, nine thousand nurses who wanted to hug me. So I said, we can't hug during the COVID, but give me a rain check. So once the COVID is over, I'm calling all the nurses. For <laughs> yeah, I'm a hugger so as well, so I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. Thanks again, Nav, and I appreciate it. Until next time on the Dealmakers DNA. Anytime. I enjoyed it and stay healthy. We are going to beat COVID and keep helping the humanity. Keep helping the humanity around you. Thank you very much for having me on. That's it for this week. If you enjoyed what you heard, rate us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time on A Dealmaker's DNA, where you can expect the unexpected.